Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Searching for something to put a smile back on your face. Just remembering unusual times that can come from an unusual place. You need a partner for the ride, cause everybody needs a climb. So set your worries to the side. Just ask. Shit 90 Shows Taught Me was not filmed before a live studio audience. Welcome back to Shit 90 Shows Taught Me. I'm Jess Sterling here with my co-host, or should I say my Thelma or maybe my Louise, Sarah Ferguson. Sarah, how are you? Oh, it's the greatest debate. Uh, a, how I, how I am. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't even know. That's pretty much a debate. But B, are, <laughs> who's the Thelma? Who's the Louise? We're going to have to spend a lot of time digging in deep. But can't complain today. Can you complain? Uh, I mean, I always can complain, of course. But yeah. uh, <laughs> too much to, to complain about today. Uh, we're recording on a Friday. Friday evenings are like my bread and butter. We're heading into the weekend for us in the States. It is a long weekend. Thank you, Martin Luther King Jr. for giving us a freebie Monday off. We appreciate it so much. Um, but uh, so I'm, I'm in pretty high spirits. But Sarah, if we're mm. going to have this debate, we have to bring in a tiebreaker. We can't debate this. Uh, uh, just alone so we need to bring in someone who uh, has joined us once before to talk about one of the stars of this film um much smaller role in this film than in the other film but we got to bring in apparently our brad pitt expert sarah carradine sarah, uh, just kobe javi cartel <laughs> there we go <laughs> harvey Cartel was definitely thumb and louise's biggest hype person 
So mm-hmm. Sarah Carradine, you're going to have to be our big hype person today. Of course. I love you both desperately. Don't, <laughs> please don't, please don't go anywhere. <laughs> you're going you- to be like trying to get us to just come home. It's like, <laughs> please, no, no, just, we're no. just going to drive off of a, uh, into the Grand Canyon. Just Are you going to run after us? Yes. <laughs> Running after a T-bird as it flies into the Grand Canyon. Where was Amazing. he going? This he is just, he just his desperate. desperate passion, his desperate yeah. passion, his belief in them. He knew what happened in Texas. Mm-hmm. Did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're really going to have to give me an education on uh, on a lot of the details of this movie uh, because it was right. my first time watching mine Um, too i've never seen this movie although i will say so this has been on our list sarah and like Mm -hmm. we sent it to the other sarah we sent the other sarah our list of like hey find a movie that if you want one of these movies if you're interested in any of these let us know and sarah you said yes thelma and louise and we were like that feels perfect because neither one of us has seen it i will say this feels sarah you love romy and michelle it is like your favorite movie it is this feels like a parallel universe Romy and Michelle where they're just on the run yes yeah yeah uh two women in cars yeah I can follow we love that. women in cars yeah. <laughs> uh we've been circling around Thelma and Louise for a while we definitely wanted to do it so when the opportunity arose that we were going to be talking about this with you Sarah I was just like yeah let's do it I'm really excited I'm fascinated to know whether it holds up for you too. I mm-hmm. watched it uh, again, of course. I mean, you can always watch Thelma and Louise. And I was thinking very much, does it hold up? And I thought, oh, my God, this hasn't aged at all. But then I know it well and I am yeah. the same age. I'm slightly younger than my co-star on a film that I was in, Gina Davis, and I'm sort of 10 years younger than Susan Sarandon, the great Susan Sarandon. To me, this feels very fresh, uh, but I'm very fascinated to know whether for you two it has aged or da- it feels dated at all to you. Yeah, like I would say for me personally, so this is a 1991 uh, film for those who maybe didn't watch it. Um I would say like it feels very 90s like everything about it like from the hair to the outfits to just the general vibe it all feels very 90s uh, speaking as someone who like covers a lot of 90s stuff um I thought it, it I was entertained the entire way through and let me tell you I Sarah knows this I am a big proponent of we don't need to make our movies so long why you do this to me you know like why is it so long I was entertained from start to finish all two hours and what like 10 minutes of it it was so good. I immediately was drawn in. I mean, I think mostly we got it hands down. Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, just so entertaining, so magnetic. Like I am immediately sucked in to those two characters and I empathize with them immediately, right? Like Sarah, I feel like this is a, a story as old as time where you have like two women unhappy with their their lives, right? Gina Davis is, is married to this like, awful husband who suit truly is just like i'm stay in the kitchen type of guy um how does it go stay in the kitchen <laughs> what a magnificent performance not, yeah. not yours so much but from this actor oh. i mean pitch drag her yeah daryl stupid daryl daryl uh, yes. but sarah for me this really held up how about you on your first watch did this hold up for you in terms of uh of the storyline 
I actually think that this film is probably ahead of its time because um, as we've talked about in a lot of our movies, to have a female-centered cast where they're doing something, you know, I'm thinking back to League of Their Own where it was a female-centered movie and with also with Gina Davis, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people... I don't know. I don't know if they like really appreciated the fact that it was like a female sports movie, but now we appreciate that. And yeah. I think that that's kind of this uh, film as well, because, you know, in a lot of sense, it's um, a friend movie. It's a friend about uh, loving another person, a fr- but a platonic love. But I love that. Like the, because yep. that's why I feel like it really is similar to Romy and Michelle, mm-hmm. because we've talked about this a lot of like the idea of the female friendship and like the platonic soulmate. And that yeah. feels that feels present in this movie as well. You can just feel that Thelma and Louise were meant to be this like ride or die twosome to the end of time. Yeah. And I so appreciate about that. They're like, screw these boys. We don't need them. We're going to go out on a cool T-bird and just run, drive around and basically essentially break bad. And I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Yeah. Um. I saw this interview with uh, Susan Sarandon uh, on the Drew Barrymore show. And she said something really interesting. And maybe Sarah can talk about this. And she, you might have seen this for like when it first came out. Where a, a lot of men in particular were like offended by this movie because uh, it was like women who were acting bad and going off on their own and kind of being criminals and like having sex and whatever. And they, a lot of like people were like, you know, women need to be like demure. And these women were like free. And I think that in like uh, offended some people back in the day. Yes, I mean uh, offended. I is that the word? It's that the, was it's certainly Susan's yes wordage. Well, in, well, if Susan said it, for me, I mean, I remember at the time it was if you can believe it, controversial. Like it's really hard to look at it now. I mean, when I said it wasn't, it wasn't dated. Obviously, the clothes and the. And the phone boxes, mm-hmm. um, kids ask your grandparents, and all of those things have a very, very 90s feel. But in terms of the centeredness of the women, of this platonic friendship, of them moving through oh, so many, I mean, the beats in this film are incredible. The moment where um, Thelma takes control, Louise has always been in control. Yes. The control passes to Thelma, and then Thelma talks about, I'm awake. Are you awake? I'm awake. I've never been awake before. And then when she says, I've broken through and I can't go back, I mean, these extraordinary statements. So I think that the offence there was that these women existed. Mm-hmm. Women, being yeah. women, being centred in a, an action film, being centered in a broad vista film. I mean, the some of the beauty and the ugliness of America as vistas were shown. This broad horizon, we don't see women, particularly two women with no men, Harvey Cartel aside, who's always inside, he's inside things mm-hmm. until the end. Um, they're out in the broad, you know, horizon-filled landscape. And I think this this is the offence that they existed at all and that there was a movie that didn't talk to men. I mean, mm-hmm. 
Ridley Scott had the script from Kelly Curry and he was shopping it around to directors, high fairly high-profile directors. Kelly Curry thought she maybe would self-produce it, it'd be this little indie film. Ridley mm. Scott got hold of it and went, oh, no, no, no. I mean, this he knows a, a great movie when he reads yeah. it. Mm -hmm. But he was shopping it around to some high-profile male directors, all of whom turned it down, and one of them said, why would I do this? It's two bees in a car. And Ridley <gasps> Scott said, you know what, it's actually not. It's not a small they said it's a small film. He said it's not a small film. Mm -mm. So in a way, how Kelly Curry tells it is that in in shopping it to these different directors and in pitching why they should do this film, Ridley Scott went, hold on, I should just direct it. Yeah. Um, and and I'm so happy he right. did. Oh, it, 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 it's, so it's, so it's, it's epic, right? Like the thing that I love most about it is that it has kind of all the components. It has heart. But it also has like the grit and the action sequences and like there's a lot to love about this film and I'm happy that it eventually you know it does get the critical praise that it does because it like you said it very much deserves it and it does feel like um, women were owed this this movie um, yeah. that I think especially I, I agree with what you said Sarah too about it being like before it's time. Because think about the 90s and how um, a lot of shows would show movies and shows show women in like a very different light of like being secondary to men a lot of the time. They're never usually the main character of the story, right? Mm -hmm. Like just in history in general and giving them the spotlight and showing like some of this stuff we, we're dealing with still today, right? Like uh -oh. the trucker on the road, yes. right? Like. Uh, the, yes. the the audacity of this man to say what he says to them uh, the, I, I really like the bit of like them seeing him everywhere they go but then how terrible he is and finally they've just had enough and let me tell you like I feel like this is like a um is it what is it what's that what's the moment this is like the bra burning moment of the entire film is like yeah blow up his stupid drugs <laughs> <laughs> women everywhere you've got to think too the Ridley Scott directed Alien in 1979 Oh. And uh, 1979, well outside the purview of the of the 90s, well, mm -hmm. you know, 10, 10, 10, 12 years before the, before this film, which centered a female action. That's the Gurney Weaver. Sequini Weaver. So this is I mean, Ridley Scott knows how to make these big, these big movies. Yeah. Um, big in either scope, like space, space, you know, is very big. <laughs> Uh, although the smallness of the ship kind of con controls them, but big ideas that uh, this woman could be the most frightening thing uh, in Aliens 2, a lesser movie, but still worth seeing when she's stranded on the uh, planet with all the terrible men. It's a jail planet and they're all rapists and murderers and one of them comes up to her and, you know, gives his credentials as a terrible rapist and murderer and she looks at him and she says, I must frighten you very much in that case, <laughs> you know. So Ridley Scott knows how to how to to pick and 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 I was going to say pickle because it's not pickled; it's very living. Uh, he knows how to say these are big lives, like these small lives are big lives. Well, that's and the that's I love the best that part. Is that like we have these women from Arkansas, right? Like what what I'm sorry, what show or movie takes place in Arkansas? Like there aren't any. It's I have New York, it's never California. 
thought about Arkansas in my life. That's what I'm saying. So you have these two women who are from like Nowheresville, Arkansas. One is a housewife. One is a waitress, which like on paper it, it, to, to the world means nothing. But it tells you that like even people in these small towns with like jobs that wouldn't be impressive to most people, there's something there. They have a spark they have something and all they want is to get out. They want to go out for just like a weekend, which it, it, it killed me. I have to say like within the first 10 minutes, it killed me that Thelma is like, let me ask my husband like, oh, it's just like a dagger to the heart, right? To see that. And then she ends up leaving anyway. And it just seems like. She left a note. She left the food in the microwave. <laughs> um, But I just, I love it. And it just. I felt like from the moment that Thelma got in the car, she had this sense of like levity and like freedom um, and her just being like, come on, Louise, please. Can we just stop? I never get to go out. And it's just um, I feel like we've all kind of uh, been in a I don't know. We've all been in a space where we're in the kind of the the, the daily grind, the monotony mm-hmm. um, and to to want to live it up while you're yeah. while you're away. And so. I just, I just, I thought these characters were so electric. And even though I, I felt like, uh, just as Susan Sarandon and, and Gina Davis, this is a fast, like, this is so good. They're, they were so good in this movie where, like, um, I felt like I immediately knew who these characters were. Like, I just yeah. immediately could connect with them and, like, oh, I connected with this with Thelma and this with Louise and, you know. In a way that perhaps Meryl Streep and Goldie Horn. Uh, who were attached to the project um, before it just took too long to find a director and so they went on to other things uh, in a way that perhaps they wouldn't have. Yeah, I can't really see. I mean, Meryl Streep can really do anything. Meryl Streep can do anything. Right? Mm-hmm. So and we love Goldie Meryl, Horn, but Meryl Streep would, in my mind, probably play Louise to Goldie Hawn's Thelma. That probably, that casting probably makes mm-hmm. sense to me. But yeah, it, it yeah. would feel like a very different movie. And I really, really appreciate how we ended up. Um, I like the word like freedom for this movie because and yeah. liberation, because I feel like that's kind of like what we're holding on to. It's two women that like really have to do the daily grind either and they're either like uh, submissive to their husband or to making money and like doing a job. Uh, you know, Louise had to leave Texas. I don't know what her situation was before if she was married or was a housewife at one point too, but like she left to go to Arkansas to get out of a bad situation and make something of herself on her own. That's freedom. Gina Davis, Thelma got to be free for the first time in her life. And she was, I just like think to being stuck in a situation and a unhappy marriage just to get out and be free and just let your hair down in a mm-hmm. sense, which she ultimately does really. I love the is... vision of two, like um, to your point of like letting your hair down. Yeah. How the movie uh, from start to finish, when you start the film, um, especially Thelma, I feel like is mm-hmm. so done up, right? Like she's yeah. in this like skirt and like her hair is perfect. And and we have so many instance, is, instances in this film where Louise is like 
she sees those two women in the in the window and then she looks at herself in like the rear view mirror and is like about to put lipstick on and you could sense she's like should I do myself up but by the end of the film they are like covered in road dust like completely unkempt yeah. with these hats hair who cares I just like you said there's this sense of freedom of like getting down and dirty and like yeah. being not feeling the need to right because when you look at again put on makeup if you want like as long as you feel beautiful that's what should matter but the reason makeup became a thing and like fashion became a thing is to like impress others and to feel like you have to dress like this to be a housewife to be a good housewife you have to look like xyz and I kind of loved at the end that they just had this like unabashed I can be whoever I want I could look however I want we're gonna drive off of this cliff together the makeup uh, and I mean the whole um, costume department uh, was amazing on this. But the the with the makeup department, they had plotted hour by hour the sunburn and suntan on their faces, and I just mm. love that. So oh, the noses so and the chins and the foreheads are right because they're in a convertible. Pro- <laughs> yep, they're in a convertible. Uh, so I just love that and watching it this time I recalled I recalled that that I'd read about that at some point and I just so enjoyed that and it's not drawing attention to itself but it's that realness and as you say when she goes to put her lipstick on and throws the lipstick out of the car just tosses it it's just, just fantastic yes there's a lot she's of just like who cares yeah like who yeah. am I and again if you want to wear lipstick because you feel beautiful in lipstick like I am all for that it's not about that it is the expectation it is the like feeling like it's necessary feeling like I'm not me until I put my lipstick on it's right it, I just I loved that and I felt like watching I don't know that Sarah to me this movie felt like it had a, a seasons long television television show of growth in two hours like these characters grew an immense amount in two hours it's wild well I think this speaks to 90s movies in general and something that I've been really starving for in media today is that I always felt that 90s movies created an entire world and had complete storytelling unique writing and I just I'm I don't see it as much I'm, you know I don't watch a lot of television so maybe there is a lot of media that actually does it but well, it's not something that I'm watching there's a lot but of like reboots and stuff nowadays exa- that to too yeah. I just think something like remember like the Truman Show incredibly unique in yes. its own world now and then it felt like that um what's that like firefly lane or whatever it was called it's not called firefly lane but like the little town like you can feel that town that they were in yeah and this is its own world and there is a lot of character develop in these few days between these two characters and it really is like i mean uh thelma is a 35 year old ish wife and she didn't she say like she got it was her uh her husband was her only uh partner in her life and she got married pretty yeah. young and the young, the reason why she doesn't have kids currently is because he doesn't her husband doesn't want it and i'm sure that that when she was younger thought that that was her life purpose but now her life purpose is being a housewife and the um how mundane that must feel for her to live day in and day out uh serving her husband yeah and probably doing uh you know 
Tupperware parties and like doing like I don't know those little Coupon makeup things. Yeah, exactly. Everywhere. The, the just mundane for me, life. This incredible. Mo- it's so momentary, and you absolutely mm. understand her when she's kind of. I was going to say bustling, floating about getting his breakfast. She wants to ask. She's got this inner resistance. She wants to ask him if she could go on the holiday. We know that. She can't ask him. And she has mm. the chocolate bar and she takes a tiny she takes a tiny bite. She puts it in the fridge. She walks away from it. Yes. She comes back. She opens the fridge, another tiny bite, putting it back in the fridge. And this gives us her, she's trapped in this very small kitchen. She's meeting out her treats like at the time yeah. but by time reminded bite. me if she was like a 50s housewife you know mm-hmm. yeah like she wasn't a career woman she like probably wasn't allowed by her husband to get a career she, her her job was essentially to be pretty i'm well, sure yeah. that she, she says she's going to get a job in mexico and louise snorts with with disbelief that she's <laughs> going to get a job yeah so yeah it's, yeah, it's never the, worked well that's the thing it's it's just these women feel so real to me. Like yes. this, there are so many uh, women out there that were and are just like these women where it's you, you're brought up a specific way in a specific time where your job is to get out of high school and get married and then pop out a few kids and stay home with them. Right. Maybe Thelma doesn't have the kids in that situation, but her entire life, like Sarah says, revolves around serving someone else, being secondary Darryl. to someone else. And stupid Daryl. Daryl. Daryl sucks. But yeah. Um, yeah, we need more just, impressions, Jess. Are you gonna I just, I just the the I will say the moment that um that really, really cracked me up when Christopher McDonald uh walks out to his car and he like slips on some of the like construction. Oh, it's so good. It's so it's so good. Stupid. It's so He's so like, funny. clean this up, clean this up before I get yeah. back. One of yeah. my favorite moments of the entire film uh, involves him, and it's when it's when Thelma calls him and he goes, Oh hey Thelma, and she immediately hangs up and she's like, He knows. He knows. <laughs> because he's never nice enough to no, I know. And no, get your ass back here right now. It's like, yeah, that's really going to bring her back. Yeah. I mean, talk about lived the lived uh, experience when the gorgeous Michael Madsen arrives uh, unexpectedly in o- Oklahoma City and he and Louise have their essentially their breakup. I mean, a- again, we see we see the violence that these women live with. This is Jimmy, who she loves uh, well yeah. enough. And when she displeases him, he throws a table across the hotel, the motel room. Yeah. And then we can see and when he wants her to come and sit down and she says, no, I'm fine here. We can see what she's withstood, like mostly good. This man is mostly good. And, and that's the thing. That's, that's what they accept. That's what that's what yes. women have to are forced to accept is, well, he's mostly okay. He just has these tiny moments and maybe it'll improve. Maybe it'll get better. Like you, it, they, they're forced to settle. And it's so sad because these women are electric. Like there's no other word for it. Like they are electric and it's so sad to see them like just basically boxed in They're They're shoved into a box and told this is who you have to be instead of being able to spread their wings. And like, actually this is why they can't go back. Right. Like at the very end, they can't go back. They can't turn around because they don't want to go back to the life that they had. Or I mean, obviously go to jail, but like, they don't, they don't want to live like that again. They don't want to be caged anymore. Yeah, I think you're right, Jess. It like transcends that going back would mean going to jail. That's almost secondary. It's the idea of going back at all to anything that they've ever had before. Yeah, uh, is 
is just anathema to them and they're now awake and they've gone through and they can't go back. Um, And because of the beautiful construction, the fantastic writing, the amazing performances, we've gone on that journey with them. There's not a moment where you go, oh, where did that come from? Where did this change come from? Uh, Thelma taking charge when Louise is, is crying desperately. She just takes charge and you don't go, where did that come from? You go, yes, that's her. It's another version of her. We get to this moment. We get to this moment. We get to this next moment. And, I mean, it's just incredible. Um, Susan Sarandon at the time was 44, but the women are supposed to be the same age and I completely buy them as both sort of mid-30s, which is a really interesting time too. You know, you've had that youth and that excitement and what will happen. And now you look around yourself and you go, what's what is it i i'm uh 34 which is probably around the age i'm about to be 34 in a few months which is about the age that i think these women are supposed to be and like that's why i'm harping on the word freedom and i especially feel that way now where i'm a 33 year old without children and i'm kind of coming to my life where i'm like i do want to be free like i want to be able to travel and do like trips and like not answer to anybody except for my dogs like you know that's kind of like what I'm like thirsty for I'm thirsty for an adventure because I mean I didn't really live in my 20s either like I was very like uh anxious in my 20s I spent a lot of my time just like trying to find myself and learn about myself and like chasing uh a ring to be quite transparent And I can really relate to these women, particularly Thelma, where um, I just like just the thirst for freedom and um, being my own person. I do want to ask, like, I think I understand like Thelma's reasoning for wanting to move forward. And it's what we've been talking about, the sense of like she can't go back to Daryl like she can't go back well she's been properly laid now so exactly (laughs) of course but do you think that Louise's motivations are the same like or do you think that she's trying to because her life I think that she's running from her past I think uh uh, Thelma is running from her present um so I think that Louise is running from her past and I think that she's trying to like get away from like all of her trauma and bad memories and I don't really know if she's like necessarily like I can't go back because Arkansas wasn't really her home anyway and like I don't know how established she was then but I think like what she's looking for is like I need to just like create a new life and like just like forget everything and I guess like ultimately that's the same end point but I kind of feel like she is chasing jail like running away from jail and I think that she's like trying to just like disappear essentially yeah I mean I think I agree with you to an extent that like Thelma is escaping her her present situation of now that she has experienced what it feels like to actually live right she says like um after she does the hold up at the at the convenience store she's like I think I'm I found my calling like I'm good at this um she can't go back to to feeling like she has nothing um she has a sense of self at this point louise 
is I feel like more, uh, not, I don't want to say a more complicated character than Thelma because I don't know that it's like exactly that, but she just has more like skeletons in her closet um, in terms of her past. And to me, at least what it felt like is um, almost like that high you experience when you have adrenaline of if if you have this high of adrenaline, you're not thinking about the bad thoughts, right? You're not letting the like almost like depression and anxiety like seep into your brain. And I think uh, knowing that she has had a really rough time of it and knowing that Thelma seems to be, uh, for all intents and purposes, her best friend, um, I feel like she doesn't want to th- – she's living a very exciting life at the moment. And the thought of like slowing down – Uh, I know for me, especially um, when I'm like at my most, like uh, when I'm having like the anxiety and the, and the depression thoughts, like it's keeping busy is what helps because your brain is focused on what you're doing. It doesn't have the the quiet times to to attack you. Right. Um, So Sarah, you tell me what you think about this, but that is kind of my, my general opinion on, on like the Thelma and Louise of it all. Well, I like that they have different motivations. I mean, this is part of the, the strength of the movie is that they're friends despite the differences or because of their differences. Um, I mean, Louise's hairstyle at the beginning, the aggressively pinned hair is, tells us everything we need to know. Um, And she doesn't want uh, uh, Thelma to put her feet up on the dashboard with the wind blowing up her dress to start with. And she is accused by Thelma of being as bad as Daryl. And she is, controlling of her to start with and controlling of her own life and when the references to Texas are made when the awful man in the silver dollar car park uh, can make her shoot him by uh, calling her the b-word we know it's something else we know there's something else there and she speaks with such uh, knowledge of they won't believe you they won't believe me. Yep. They won't believe us. Uh, what is it like to um, uh, shoot a man until his head explodes? That is not how she killed the man in the parking lot. She shot him in the chest. So my assumption was always that um, she was sexually assaulted in Texas and she killed someone and she's been on the run ever since, either told mm. that no one would believe her or no one believed her or yeah. whatever it was. And this is why Harvey Keitel, who we love, says, I know what happened in Texas. And that moment is extraordinary. She's on in the phone. She's on the phone in the bar. She's talking to him. His voice is very Harvey Keitel, wonderfully persuasive. He's trying to get her to turn herself in. And she's like teetering in this moment. Uh, we never know if she would have actually or not. And Louise just, uh, sorry, Thelma just hangs up the phone Mm -hmm. for her. She's become Louise. She's become the one that's in charge. She's become the one that says, let's keep going, which is the last thing she says. She says, let's keep going. And she looks out uh, towards the horizon. Let's keep going. And they kiss and they drive. So I love that it's not explicit because Louise cannot talk about it, even Mm -hmm. to her closest friend. But her reactions are very... um, you know, triggered and uh, hyper hyper vigilant around yeah. that stuff, which is uh, unfortunately what can happen after sexual assault. So, I think that makes yeah. a lot of sense to me, especially when you, having watched the whole film, when you go back to the moment um, when Thelma is outside with Harlan and Louise's reaction to it and the fact that she like 
I mean, not that anybody else wouldn't react similarly regardless of their past, but when he refuses to apologize, right? And her reaction when she shoots him and Thelma wants to go to the police and she says, no, they won't believe you. Um, like immediately, not that women wouldn't think that already, but it just, I feel like it's a series of events that just shows me that like that definitely happened to her and like her trying to, to deal with it. And, um, especially back in the nineties, I mean, like it's even, it's different. It's better today, obviously in terms of, um, being told like, can you we can... say somewhat better? No, somewhat yeah. better in terms of, in terms of being told like, uh, you know, you're, you're allowed to have a voice to talk about this, right? Mm -hmm. It's more talked about than it was. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the brilliant things about the film, one of the absolutely brilliant, there are many brilliant things, but one of them is that it is Thelma who is being sexually assaulted, but it is Louise who kills Harlan. So yeah. there's a complexity there where Louise cannot, at that time and maybe today, cannot claim self-defence. Um, yeah. And as, as, you know, they say, we got you away from him. They won't know. They won't yeah. know that that we got away. No. Um, yes, I think now uh, we say we believe victims um, more. I think it's very difficult to report sexual assault now. That's a whole other conversation. Definitely, but yeah. certainly in the nineties, and as they say, hundreds, uh, two hundred people saw you drinking with him, dancing. You were dancing with him, with him all night. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why it's the way the film sets it up is so brilliant because we do see that, right? Like we do see her dancing with him all night, very close. And they know like Louise knows right away. Louise has kind of that, like the smarts to be able to say, they're not going to believe you. We have to get out of here. Um, and I love one of my favorite things about this film is um, we've said the character development is like, it's very, it's very rich, right? It's very full. Um, but Sarah, you mentioned this a little earlier. They, they swap spots almost, right? Where like Thelma starts out and I don't want to use like alpha and beta, but it's like the best way that I could describe it is like, uh, Luis is in charge. She is the, she is first and foremost, the driver. She mm -hmm. is the one dictating where they go, when they go. Thelma is the one begging Luis, please. Can we stop? Please let's go get a drink and have fun. And then they have this role reversal after the money gets stolen, right? After Brad Pitt comes in, JD comes in, uh, gives uh, Thelma the best sex of her life, steals the money and leaves, gives her a little and, bit of knowledge. And her diamond ring. And her diamond ring and leaves. Um, and Thelma takes, the, I, we see like Louise, Sarah, is, like, is devastated, right? Like this is all the money they mm -hmm. had and it's gone yeah. and then all of a sudden Thelma is now in charge she's the one who robs the convenience store with the tactics she had learned from JD um and she is the one saying like this is what we're gonna do this is where we're going she's the one who pulls the cop on or pulls the gun on the cop and I just think 
it's so fascinating to me that we got this role reversal midway through the film. I don't think that's that's not a normal thing to happen in a movie. And it was so fascinating to watch. Yeah, it definitely feels special. I would say that um, it just it speaks to uh, Thelma really coming into her own and being able to become her own person with her own ideas and just like the freedom and sometimes a lot of the time like you know i think with partners uh whether they be um i don't know relationships or friendships there's going to be times where you have to be strong for your partner and there's gonna be times where they have to be strong for you and when Louise is breaking down because she thinks that all hope is lost. That's when Thelma is like, no, we're going to do this. We're going to make it to Mexico. Like, let's go. Like, wipe your tears. <laughs> like, we're we're going and uh, we're going to find a way. And I can, I, I, it's really funny because like, just like you and I've covered a couple of shows where the, the the debate is like, when do you just give up and like go to the cops? Like I feel as though to have like such strong convictions to like, yeah. like I will not go to the cops when my first instinct is like, I just want to give up. Like I don't want to run. I don't want to chase. Yeah. You and I are very similar like that where we we know yeah. we would make terrible criminals. Uh, um, so your your movie's like 20 minutes long? Probably, yeah. So like <laughs> I get it. Yeah. <laughs> like and you cover stuff on crime scene where obviously criminals or people that are not doing good or not going to the cops like whether it be um whatever situation that they're in but it's it's just <laughs> they just have the urge to just keep going no matter what and it just i think like one of the more humorous bits about this movie is just like how it just spirals out of control because at first like maybe yeah like maybe they could have made an argument that was self-defense but then then we got an armed robbery then we have a kidnapping well, they, they and just, forcing they just, a police they, officer in the oh, car so and the they make it so much worse but it's it's and they blow up the the truck which that was oh, so worth brilliant. it that yeah. guy sucked big He's... pyrotechnics <laughs> yes well he took off his wedding ring and got like four or five condoms i don't quite know wow <laughs> he thought his ship had come in but uh no not at all yeah it's just it's fascinating um i just there were so many small moments in this movie and big moments it's so weird because again at first glance it's a it's an action movie right like yeah. it's an action movie there are two women on the lamb yeah um, or or is it a modern western mo okay i could i could deal with that modern western only the horses are a t-bird which is cool in my opinion yeah and but it's also just this like story about female friendship and what it means to be a woman right like what it means to not be a man in this world and how that can be difficult and tricky and demeaning and just like so so hard and it like it just like it, 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 this movie felt like it was saying so many things packaged in a very exciting movie and it's I don't know I, I love this movie from start to finish I just thought it was so epic and I you know what I'm not even a car person I'm really not I don't care whatever gets me from A to B that totally car. fine that car if I'm rich I will buy myself a 1966 Ford Thunderbird what about it has to be blue <laughs> it, uh has to be, has to it, be has blue. Color. it is so cool 
them driving it, I was like, you guys are so cool. You look so cool driving that car. Yes. Yes. And one of the, where you see uh, the action chops here of this director, when they're driving along the edge of the Grand Canyon and coming around the corner of the canyon, there's a helicopter, helicopter. inside the canyon. And you just go, it's breathtaking. Yeah, beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. But it doesn't movie. feel yes. like a different movie. That. Yeah. You think, okay, here's a story about female friendship, two gal pals going off for a weekend. And now we're going to see a helicopter flying through the Grand Canyon. And that, that is the same movie because the vistas that we've gone across, the dusty back roads, we've gone through oil derricks, we've seen small towns. And then we've seen them driving at night through these beautiful uh, rock formations with the stars above. Yeah. It's just, it's stunning. It really is a beautiful movie. I was very blown away by the scenery and the landscape. And I, so they, they were going through what? They're in Utah, Arizona. Is that where we were at? Like, I meant to get a map out. I mean, because, I'm pulling up a map right now. I'm terrible. Yeah, they said they're, in, they're, in, they're in Oklahoma. Uh, Louise gives Selma the maps and says, find us a way to the fastest way to the border without going through texas so she, they'd have to go all the way around to like new mexico or louisiana yes. are their only options but they went new mexico they went route. new mexico and it's mm -hmm. just incredible and it's yeah. very american like i don't yeah. quite know what i mean mean by that but well, like a western yeah. yeah yeah that idea of the idea of america because there's cowboy hats and brad pitt is a cowboy yeah yeah um yeah. jd his character jd and, there. and the accents are very um like southern american type of thing and you're right and i i think that the setting that's a thing like everything about this movie feels intentional um the setting is so refreshing as someone who watches a lot of television and movies that take place in New York and California um, or like they're trying to trick us and it's really like Toronto, Toronto or Vancouver. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> as someone who watches a lot of TV and film, um, there's so many that take place in those cities, especially around the holidays. Oh my God, everything is a New York holiday. Um, it's so refreshing to see something Western, to see something um, out, in the, out near the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Um, to see these, the, the different... Right. We get the moment um, where Louise takes off her, her jewelry and there's a little bit of turquoise in there. You know what I mean? It just it feels very Western American yeah. in a very refreshing way uh, with the dust kicking up everywhere when they're driving. And um, it's just it's, it's, it's so original. Uh, that's what it feels like to me. And so original. So I'm going to admit something very embarrassing. I've been saving this for the podcast all day. This is so dumb. But this just proves that the uh, the the educational system in America is broken. I have never seen this movie. I, for the longest time, thought that this was like based on a true story that Thelma and Louise. Oh, I know what you're thinking of. Existed, and it was because of the like, what is it, man and wife, Bonnie and Clyde, Bonnie and Clyde that yeah. actually do live in. They existed in real life. Yes. I don't know why I thought Thelma and Louise was like, oh yeah, this tag team badass. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's so dumb because I think that the story of like two people on the lamb is like a tale as old as time in like Western 
uh, yeah. America lore. So I don't think it's it's dumb or anything. Plus they're referenced so much, right? Like we yeah. knew what Thelma, I knew the general idea of what Thelma and Louise was going to be yeah. about before we started watching it because it's referenced so much it's in pop culture. It's huge in pop culture, yeah. I'm, I'm just surprised that the ending wasn't spoiled for you. I had no idea. I mean, once we got to the ending and they the police caught them by the Grand Canyon, I was like, there's no way they're turning themselves in. Like they're going to drive off the cliff. Like I knew it at that point. But no, I had no idea that was how the movie ended. I I thought, um, I don't know what I thought going uh, towards the end when they started racking up more and more, uh, a higher body count um, and just more and more crimes. I kind of felt like, well, maybe they'll have them get to Mexico and get away with it. I didn't think they would ever be arrested. Like, I didn't think that that was going to be how the movie ended. Um, but no, somehow I, I didn't get spoiled on the ending. There's an inc- that incredible shock moment where they're being followed by just so many police cars. It, it's it's almost Blues Brothers-ish. And they go through a culvert and then a police oh, car comes through yes. the culvert and gets stuck. And then there's this really quiet minute or two minutes where they're just driving in the dust. Yeah. And they and we can't quite believe it because there's no police cars anywhere. Yeah. And it's, it's just like them. Exhale. And that exhale of breath where yeah. you go, oh, my God. I wanted to bring up an, um, another formative film of, of my youth, my extreme youth, I will say, <laughs> Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, uh, which was made in 1969. It's a Western. It's incredible. I haven't watched it for a few years, but it's it's the most wonderful. It was, it was revolutionary as a Western. Westerns were very out of fashion by that time. And to bring it in with um, young Paul Newman, young Robert Redford, we're talking about young Brad Pitt, it's that same idea of these stars with incredible charismatic power. And, look, it's a true story, so I suppose I'll spoil the end. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, why not? Can I? Uh, they jump off a waterfall mm. and then freeze in midair. So it's like this idea of, oh, oh that's how it, okay. You never, see, you never see the bodies. Same thing with Thelma and Louise. We do not see the car even on its downward trajectory. We just Mm -hmm. see it flying off the edge and there's a stillness. And when I watched, rewatched this, I went, oh, Butch Cassidy, it's the same thing. And the same thing of this platonic uh, uh, um, friendship that is, you know, really powerful, that there's a series of escalating events that happen and our heroes so if Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid can be heroes, why can't Thelma and Louise be heroes? Of course, they're definitely heroes. And I think, like, that's probably why I thought it was very like I thought they were real because of the Bonnie and Clyde thing where um they're both the best thing for each other and also kind of the worst thing for each other simultaneously because we get to a point where um after this is after Lu, uh Thelma has held up the convenience store and it may be like after a pro some- yeah, like a, she killed I it. Love like because there is such a feminine urge. Like we talk a lot about it about like apologizing in emails. How Always. apologetic these women are for doing these crimes. Like they, 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 they. Excuse me. Can you please hand over the money? I hope you don't mind. Like please hand it over. Thank you very mm. much. I'll just get out of your way. Same thing with when they kidnapped the police officer. Everything that they did was said with an apology because like women have to just like apologize for existing but she uses the words that jd used to seduce her so jd acted out the robbery which she found very seductive because he's a bad boy so it's this brilliant that it was 
planted, but we didn't realise it was planted because it had its use the first time around, which was to seduce her with his bad boyery, uh, and it worked. So, yeah. Sorry, Jess, please go on. No, no, no. It's like that's exactly right because then we get to a point where Luis is – they're driving, and I'm trying – I think it might be after the cop thing happens too, Um, and – uh, and they're, they're just driving and Louise is just like, you know what, but we're on the run and we're great. And she like, she shouts and she's like excited. And I, again, like, that's why they're the best and the worst for each other. Because in a normal, <laughs> in a normal situation where you don't have these two women kind of egging each other on one of them wakes up and it's like, what are we doing? Like, we, we have to turn ourselves in. We have to go to the police, but they're not doing that. Like, it seems like uh, at a at a certain point, Louise is in for it, right? Like when mm. Thelma comes up to the cop and puts a gun to his head, uh, Thelma is like, or Louise is like, all right, you know what? Great. And then the Thelma shoots air holes in the cop's trunk. And I'm like, Thelma, girl, like, wow. <laughs> this is where and we are with you. Louise shoots the wrong radio. Thelma's so in charge. Shoot the radio. No, the yes. police radio. I mean, it's wonderful. I just, one thing that occurred to me, which has never occurred in any of my watches before, is what is the story if they don't stop at the silver bullet? What is the story if they mm. get to that cabin and fish? Because for the first time, I really noticed, like, it's very comical how much Thelma has packed. She's packed a huge, she's got so much stuff. It's comical, but for the first time I saw it and I thought, that's somebody who's leaving. She's not planning like, on going back. Whether, whether she consciously did or not, she has like her entire drawer of underwear goes in, uh, which is, again, played for the comedy of, oh, ditzy old Thelma, she can't even pack for a weekend. Um, so rather than thinking they'd go for the weekend and then meekly go back, it's like, is Thelma, is Thelma ever going back? Occurred to me for the first mm. time, you know, really early. Oh, it's, a, it's just an idea. Yeah, that's a good uh, interesting thought because I think that I don't know like maybe she meets a fisherman and who's she starts talking to and realizes there's an alternate life that she can live like I think that there's um, many a possibility like she's been stuck in the house essentially for all this time in her probably little honkadonk town and it's the first time that she's ever like got out and I'm sure she would take the first opportunity that she can to make a life of herself it's something that maybe she unintentionally did but ultimately she was ready to get out and yeah, yeah. whatever so, more she so could than do louise. it feels louise yeah. is very battened yeah. down you know the hair is battened down she puts the glass on the side of the sink she her life seems very circumscribed even when she's in her her waitressing uniform with the little hat and the penny I mean, she's look. She's a, a slender person, but she seems very, even within that, like really contained. So mm-hmm. I think that Louise is the one who would have gone to the cabin, had the very nice weekend, and come back. And it's Louise's kind of subconscious rising through her that something would have happened, uh, not necessarily a murder. No, she was just she was bubbling over, right? Like everything had boiled up to the point of bubbling over. I think the inciting incident of Louise shooting um, uh, Harlan. And then, you know, that I think snaps something in, in Thelma. 
But I think the longer Thelma is away from home and the more that she sees that's out there to be seen, to do, to exist, I think it was a matter of time anyway. I think yeah, that, I think yeah. you're right. I think Louise has her weekend, goes home, right? She still has all that money that she ends up asking um, uh, Jimmy to to get for her. Um, and but- she, has a, she has a fine relationship with Jimmy. It's what she's settled for. He's mostly good to her. He only throws a chair every now and then mm-hmm. he proposed oh, to her yeah. in that hotel room right well only yeah. well, as she says because you thought i was here with someone else you thought mm. i was here with another man uh, but you know that's the next step isn't it okay we'll get married but uh, for thelma it's and in fact very early like within minutes of the film she is objecting to louise treating her the way that harlan treats her So she's ready to shrug that off. She's ready to leave that behind. So in a way she is, while appearing to be the follower and the, and the beat, as you say, Jess, it's sort of a bit bald to say, but but, you know, the, the, the follower, let's say in the relationship, it's almost like the very Thelma-ness of her was always going, something was always going to happen, whether yeah. it be murder is another story. Especially because she is the one who is willing to move outside of the structure that Luis has implemented, right? Even though I kind of like, you know what, I kind of like Luis as the driver and Thelma as the passenger because literally that's also the case. But and in then- the night in New Mexico exactly Thelma drives exactly and so i think and it's thelma who is like hey here's brad pitt let's take him with us right she is always the one stepping outside of this box that like louise has around their kind of trip and she's the one who kind of is coloring outside of the lines a little bit and almost like seeing what she can get away with experimenting dabbling trying it's it feels very um to me it feels very like someone this is so silly but like um, someone who grew up in a very small town and then goes away to college for the first time and yeah. lives it up. Like that is yeah. what Thelma reminds me of, although her, she's doing it in a 35-year-old woman's body. Her just being fucked the next morning look is brilliant. The hair? Look, the hair. Oh, her, a little smitten thing, isn't she? The way she, she, she oozes into that cafe, the way she slides into the chair. Her barely repressed laughter. I mean, it's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, if I, I, I if if I can say, I did a I did do a film with Gina Davis, and she is magnet. Like the reason everybody everybody likes Thelma, and and whenever you see her, she you can't. She's so charismatic. And one thing that made me cross, yeah. I'd never noticed before, is there's some background uh, police chatter, and they describe. Louise is, you know, brown hair, whatever it is, five foot seven, yes, perhaps. And then they <laughs> describe Thelma as five foot ten. I am telling you right now, Gina Davis is not five foot ten. No, I think uh, she's six foot even. She's six. She's tall. Foot. She's, and I'm tall. She's taller than me. Uh, and she is just so magnetic. And I think watching this movie again and seeing, you know, that face and that magnetism that she has for everyone around her including Louise you can see why they're friends Uh, I mean Susan Sarandon a very handsome woman of course but it's like that idea of the button down repressed is entirely the wrong word for Louise controlling Louise Mm -hmm. and her attraction towards this free spirit and perhaps towards the danger that actually lurks inside Thelma yeah I think part of it too that I really just 
loved and appreciated talking a little bit more about like Thelma and Louise and their relationship to one another is like they trade places of of taking care of of one another and I just loved that because there will be times right like uh Louise being the the type a the controlling one the driver um in their relationship it, it very early in the movie it feels like oh okay Louise is going to be the one constantly taking care of Thelma making sure she doesn't walk off too far with Harlan right making sure she doesn't drink too much and and you know making sure they get to the cabin on time and on and on and on um but I love how they switch places at a certain point where Thelma takes control she takes the wheel and uh and takes care of Louise and I think that that is like that is how friendships work. There are that's how any relationship works. Where there are going to be times where you're the not the not, I don't want to say not the strong one, but you're the one who needs the help. You're the one who needs someone to take care of you. And I really loved that in this again, in this 2-hour movie, we got so much of the back and forth and what makes them work as a duo, and I just can't imagine this movie with anybody but Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis in these roles. Like they, they embody these roles so well you believe. And I totally believe everything you're saying about Gina Davis. Like she oozes charisma. Like it, it comes out of every pore on her body. And I just, I don't see a world where anybody else, but these two play these characters because they have a lot of people talk about chemistry. Usually it's between romantic partners in, uh, in TV and movies. They have such chemistry as a friend. Like uh, you believe their friendship, and not only that, but you believe they've been friends for a very long time. Yes, they deal with. Uh, they allow and deal with them being cross with each other. Yes, and you know, angry with each other in a way that you know it's very rare to 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 see that expressed in female friendships when it's not a bitchy fight, and yep. when it's not yep. a bitchy fight about a man. Like every oh yeah, day, boy, does this pass the bitch tell test? I mean. Come on. Uh, mm -hmm. So they, they, the film doesn't shy away from letting them be angry with each other. You know, that yeah. uh, Louise is, is, you know, clearly thinks it's all Thelma's fault. Thelma knows that Louise thinks that, that simmering anger, her guilt, but also like, what did I do wrong? I just wanted to drink. I just wanted to have some fun. It's not my fault that Harlan, you know, attacked me. So there's that resentment and, and, but they are still friends. So I think you're right that we see it bedded in this very in this long deep friendship yeah it's uh it's just such a i can't like if i don't know why anybody would listen to this podcast if they haven't seen the movie but like seriously go watch it <laughs> especially if you're not a man i feel like it just resonates so with the with the the non-male experience you know what i mean like it, i feel like it speaks so well to that and just like Gosh, how demeaning it is. They have to deal with this truck driver the whole time. And mm -hmm. like how they finally just get fed up with it. And like the lengths that you can only go push people so far before they snap. And that's what it feels like this movie is, is they've snapped. They've had enough of dealing with the lives that they're in. And a lot of it feels like the way society has treated them. Right. Society has put them in this box and told them you have to be X, Y, Z. And you can't, more importantly, you cannot be X, Y, Z. Yeah, um, it's I don't know. It's an important film. Yeah, that kind of leads me to my like final or one of my final questions is like how we feel about the ending about them ultimately deciding to drive off the cliff. And at first, I think that I was a little like soft on it. But now, after some time with the film, once again, before this adventure, they didn't have a lot of choices. 
this was their choice. They decided where their life was going to go. They were not going to let another person, man or female or jury or judge decide what was going to happen to them. They took their decision and their life into their hands and they drove off the cliff. And once again, ultimately it was their decision, their choice. And I think that that is powerful and it continues to kind of reinforce the fact that like these women never really got a choice to make decisions before, Mm -hmm. Um, whether being the fact that, uh, you know, the society that they're in or their economic status or the fact that they were women in this world or whatnot. But ultimately this was their choice. And I, I can really appreciate that. And I wanted to know what both of you thought of the ultimate ending um their choice assuming that they decided to drive off the cliff and uh, ultimately ended their life in a way well in i don't know i don't think well, that there is a giant like uh pillow when they <laughs> i do you do this, you can yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. yeah. well i mean talk, talk about bodily autonomy sarah i think you absolutely encapsulated why the ending is the ending and for me narratively it's that heroicness it's the Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It's that idea of, and they're still out there today. Like if they escape and they get to Mexico, think, well, okay. But if they drive off the cliff and they're still they're still driving, that to me is the resonance. The idea of, you know, the whaling ship that's still out there to this day, the pirate ship that can't come to shore, the outlaw that can't come home, and these women who can't go back to what they had before and still today they they drive along the grand canyon that's that's the elevation that i see for the end of this of this movie you know personally if they were real people of course we'd like them to live but the resonance of of that that ending i think to me is just um perfect and sort of gets more perfect every time i see it i think just what about you I, I I couldn't have been happier with the ending. I felt like it had to this had to be the way it ended. Any other ending wouldn't feel as satisfying as this one does. And it's because, like you said, Sarah, they have control over their own lives, right? For maybe the first time. And they decide. And I I, I just think the the way it was shot, right? Where they Thelma says, What if we what if we keep going? Mm-hmm. And then we see them floor it and they, the holding of the hands, like everything is perfect. The way they like the, and the music, right? It isn't sad music. It is nope. freedom music. Like that music screams freedom, screams happiness, screams decisiveness. And I just think there's no other way they could have end, ended the film for, to, for me to be more satisfied than I was. It just felt like everything had led up to this point, right? Like, um, it, it was so perfect and they ended things together, right? Like um, in, a, in a modern twist, Thelma and Louise would be lesbians falling in love together on the road, right? Like I'm happy that it is for, I like the story of the female friendship, uh, you know, better, but I just think like uh, they're perfect together. They are soulmates. And um, I just don't, I don't know that they could make the ending any better than it, than it was besides maybe them getting away. But I think, I even still think this is probably better than them getting away because it but feels then, yeah, more realistic. Like, what's the end game? Like eventually they're going to get caught. They live on a beach you know? in Mexico. Yeah. Like I think the move is like nowadays. Oh, you want them to Shawshank it? No. <laughs> it's yeah. so much better. It's so much better. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's perfect. The ending is perfect. Um, I, I love it. I think it's, it's, 
it's one of the best endings of a of a movie I think I've seen. Like it just feels it feels right. And I know this feels like an ending that like the studio pushes back on, but the creators are like, no, it needs to end I this think, way. Mm -hmm. I think you're you're actually on the nose about that. I think because people wanted... want happy endings. People, yeah, this is a happy ending. I think that they wanted to happy ending. do an alternative ending, and they pushed against it. Of course they did, because everybody yeah. wants their package wrapped up in a neat little bow. Yeah, but you know what? Life is messy. These women are messy physically, mentally, emotionally. Life is messy, and they're wearing the... those filthy, filthy hats. Oh, the heads gross. of dirty, greasy men. I mean, <laughs> disgusting. They're like yeah. these trophies that they get from these these dirty men. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just perfect. It, everything about this this movie is is honestly perfect. Did you had you? There are certain you know shots in the movie that that are just burned into my retinas. But you know, I I loved this movie passionately when I saw it in 1991, and my it was the sort of the first date, as it were, of me and my and one of my best friends now we've known each other for a very long time and uh she and I decided to go to the movies together talk about strong female friendships and you know I'm the artsy one I was in the theater she is a very accomplished executive type woman still is she was and is and uh, we had a little glass of wine afterwards and we both we both had tears in our eyes and I was so shocked that this very put-together fashionista executive woman and she was talking about, and we were, uh, well, 1991, I was 31, she was 30, and it really got to her, this thing about freedom, and I was really very taken aback and uh, she did say, don't tell anyone uh, that I cried. So I didn't until her 60th birthday where I gave a speech and told. But for me, these there are there are um, shots in the film that are so in my mind, but I wondered, having not seen it, were there shots or stills that you had seen? Was there something iconic, the cowboy hat, the two women in the car? Were you familiar with the, any of the of the visuals of this movie before you saw it? For me, um, I know that there is debate if this was the first ever selfie taken in a movie. I don't think it was. I think there was another one that predated it. But the beginning where uh, they had the Polaroid and they shot uh, that selfie. And then when they were driving off the cliff, the yeah. picture was in their car and it flew away within the wind. And it's just like kind of uh, an embodiment of their friendship. I think that other imagery that stands out in my head is certainly the scenery of um you know the western america uh seeing the uh sand dunes and the 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 dust it was um really like a really standout gorgeous film um but and i i do think like just like the the thought of like driving off the cliff and like doing it together with your friend and like hand in hand I think like that is like ultimate imagery and kind of like in what stands out in pop culture and in pop culture references I think I've heard people reference Thelma and Louise in like countless tv shows or even podcasts throughout the years. So I think that those are some things that stand out to me. 
I don't know if I had, I don't know that I've ever seen like gifts or imagery of, like about the movie. I know, I think the one thing I did know was that it was two women in a convertible. Like I could have told you that much. That's for some reason, I feel like I knew a convertible was part of it. Um, but leaving the film, I feel like there are so many moments that stand out to me in terms of like, I will forever remember those. And it's the, it's the smaller, uh, moments, at least smaller in terms of no explosions. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, the moment when Thelma says like, I feel alive. Right. Like, uh, I, I, I loved it. The moment when the, like you talked about earlier, Sarah, the, when they get away, um, from the cops, or at least they think they do. And it's very quiet. And Thelma smokes and she, earlier we see her like testing out how she looks with a cigarette in her mouth right and um and uh I know Ariel from Pusher Recaps he loves a cool looking smoker and I feel mm. like these two women are very cool looking smokers <laughs> um, even as we see Thelma will light and smoke the beginning of a cigarette and then hand it to Louise that sharing of cigarettes yeah. talks to their bond you know as well I'm so glad that that you both knew so little about the movie for your first you know for your first yeah. viewing of it it was so rewarding it just felt like uh, it was escalating so much, but it never felt like it was rushed. You know, there's, they no. still had so many quiet moments that I felt like were just as important as anything else happening yeah. in the movie. I didn't feel like, even though, again, uh, I judge movies that are too long because it feels like they're just adding stuff in for no reason. This movie felt like it was as long as it needed to be. Um, very true. There was no waste I mean, time. Small, just small moments like Thelma in a bikini, with her pull-along, her huge pull-along suitcase, going to sit beside this very meager, mean pool at this dreadful motel. At the motel, yeah. With her, with her Walkman uh, in, listening to music. And Louise just roars up in the car and, and screams for her to get in the car. After she, she told her to go to the pool. Exactly. And Jessica, if you Beautiful. ever did that to me, if you were like go to the pool and then I like I and then you I got go, already I have my whole setup mm -hmm. and listening to my tunes and then like 15 minutes later you're beeping the car. I'd be like, Are you freaking kidding me? I'm at yeah. the pool. Yeah. That, I didn't I mean, want to go to the pool anyway. <laughs> but she droops along to the pool in that so those small moments of their relationship, as you say, Jess, it's like no, no, there's no wasted nothing's no. wasted it's it's beautiful if yeah. every moment feels important in mm -hmm. this movie and it feels like it speaks to something whether or not it's like one of them snapping or like uh, just an escalation or a quiet moment where like a uh, susan sarandon right like you have like jimmy is like asleep in the in the hotel room and you just see um you just see louise like looking out the window of the motel like again even those quiet moments they feel so important in this movie um, because it is showing character development. And I think, like, again, credit to Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis because it does take a lot. Like, sometimes it's not easy to act in quieter moments. But I feel like they did such a commendable job um, at excelling in, in those quiet moments. Yeah. Even the comedy is quiet. It's oh, so a good. very funny movie, but it's not hourly funny. It's, like, almost dry, very subtle, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I wrote down there there were moments because Sarah watched the movie before I did. And so I would like be messaging her things. <laughs> Thelma just got fucked from Arkansas to can't Timbuktu by Brad Pitt. <laughs> um the the part I loved is the I said, This is what wasting your life with some shitty no good men will do to you, make you go on a crime spree. <laughs> oh, and one of my favorite that. moments was 
Luis, when they're, uh, so they're driving, they're drinking and driving a lot of this film um, with the tiny, I don't know what those are called, the teeny tiny uh, airplane, bottles. Yeah. airplane bottles. Yeah. Airplane bottles. Um, I love when Luis yells at Thelma not to litter after they've committed a bunch of crimes. It's just so funny like sarah like you're saying it's like it's like it's not like outwardly like slapsticky funny but it is like it's so silly it's she's like don't funny. litter <laughs> don't litter <laughs> don't do it it's so good um i especially but love just the even moment. like the, the cops when the cop just very quietly starts crying oh yeah <laughs> i have a lot of kids uh, and yes. she's i wrote this one down too my husband wasn't sweet to me look how i turned out <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that was the cop with the the moment, the very, again, a very quiet moment where you have the guy on the bicycle getting high and he hears the cop in the trunk and he just takes that moment to uh, to blow the marijuana smoke into the trunk. Like, so funny, so perfect, hilarious. Uh, this movie was so good. But of course, I have to ask the question now that we've reached the end of the podcast. I yes. have to ask the question. Uh, who is the Thelma and who is the Louise? Because well, yeah, I for, like uh, I, I'm curious um uh, for Sarah before we answer for me and Jess, since you saw this film with a very close friend of yours, you know when it first came out in '91 and you were 30 something, who at that moment was 31. did you feel 30, only only 31. <laughs> 31 a young and fresh 31 very young very fresh Mm -hmm. yeah jess is 31 she's young and fresh so the freshest um i was wondering like that had to be a convert maybe a conversation that you and your friend had at that restaurant afterwards well we we were not at that time friends she was a close friend of mine's girlfriend and when you once you realize in in those days when there was a lot of short relationships once you think oh I think this is going to stick um so let's why don't you and I go to a movie you know that kind of idea so that's why it was I was kind of very surprised to see into her soul uh because I didn't know her very well we didn't discuss which was which no but I but if uh to this day she's the Louise and I'm the Thelma but in other relationships I'm the I'm Louise and the other person it's all yeah it's all about perspective right about like it's relative and I think also that wonderful moment of crossing over once the money's the money's uh, gone Mm. and Thelma takes the reins and eventually does in fact drive the car that we see and both of you have said this throughout our discussion today that it it can pass backwards and forwards so what do so if I'm Harvey Keitel which of you is which do you think in your relationship or just as yourselves yourselves all right well first of all like jess if we committed a murder like can we just go to the police i don't want to run so that makes you thelma straight away (laughs) so that's what i thought i thought that i was the thelma I, Mm. i was like the crying uh dramatically uh on the bed uh, though, and the the person that overpacked, and um, I thought that at first I was the Thelma, but and but ultimately I could be the Louise, and that it's might so be tricky. the change. Like I think that like um once I think like it's very interesting because like I thought at first when I watched the movie that I was like the Thelma but then as I watched I was like maybe I'm the Louise and I think it's because of this change um in Thelma and Louise that we've been discussing for the last hour of like there's a a switch between them and I think ultimately like 
I don't think like I'm like the moral center between the two of us, Jess, but like I think I'm like too anxiety ridden to be <laughs> running from the cops. Yeah. So definitely in the beginning of the film, I was like, I am the Louise, 1000%. Yeah. I am the one keeping us on schedule. I am the one saying, we're not making any stops. We're getting straight there. Hold your pee till we get there, you know? Like mm-hmm. only have one drink at the bar because we, we have a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm the one who's like in charge of the money, right? Who is like working. I feel like that is me doing all of those things. I would um, lose the money or spend it on something frivolous. Yeah. You Don't trust the- me with money ever. <laughs> you would overpack. Like all of mm-hmm. these things felt very true. Uh, I would just be the one uh, to take the wheel, to take control, to be the driver. I would also be the one driving the car as well that's true because um, my car is like busted as, as heck well also i get car sick and <laughs> you so I don't want me to be driving my car. <laughs> um, you won't be making it very far running from the cops <laughs> if we take my car but i i do think like as time goes on i don't know uh i do love thelma like i they're again they're both fantastic characters this is not like a dig at either one of them to say i don't want to be so-and-so or i would be more so-and-so um I do still think I'm a Louise even by the end of the film because I don't like the moment that uh, JD steals uh, Louise's money and she breaks down. I I also think that would be me. Um, I don't know what I I'm. okay. I feel like I am reactive to whoever is around me in a bad situation. So if if I had someone around me acting like Louise and breaking down and crying, I feel like I would be more steady. Whereas if I I could be the one breaking down and crying, I would be. Um, and Sarah, I do think like, depending on the situation, that's what I think is so wonderful about their friendship is there is the trade-off. And I do think we also have that. So I think there are moments where both of us could be each of them. Um, but I think normal day-to-day life, I'm more Louise, you're more Thelma is what my, that that would have been what, what I would have said as well yeah that yeah. makes more sense we so, did put a twitter poll up what did the people say sarah they said okay the thing about twitter polls is that they answer questions but we don't know why they think these things that's so true we yeah. don't know they, why they said what they, they said. said that you were the thelma and i was the louise and maybe that's because like you're more effervescent than i am like you're you have like the more sillier side it's so true. I think Thelma that, is sillier than Louise. Yeah. So maybe that's what it is. But you and I like to get to like the down and dirty, like the underneath our of core. it all. Yeah. At our mm. core. So we know each other better than any of people, people on Twitter. <laughs> people on Twitter. No, I like. I feel bad because we asked your opinion, and for me to be like, "You're stupid and wrong." Is well, like, I think not the answer is we, we both have our moments as each each as of each, them, right? Yeah. yeah. But I definitely I like I just like have zero desire to run from the cops ever and I think like Sarah were we on crime scene when I talked about the tomato story uh remind me (laughs) so like the tomato story was like when I was a kid kid I like stole a tomato from the salad bar my dad saw me like eat the tomato and he was like where did you get that tomato from and I was like the salad bar and my dad like made me go to the manager and admit (sighs) to the manager that I stole the tomato and like ever since then like I've been like so afraid of like cops doing things wrong and like I just got scared silly like I don't want to be on the run I don't want to be on the lam I I could I could easily be on the lamb. I think you think so, mm. Jess. How far would you get on the lamb? I'd be terrible on the lamb. I yeah. am uh by nature. I am not some. I am. I have like issues with authority in that I hate upsetting people, and especially if someone is like uh hierarchically that's not a word above me yes it is 
Um, okay, there we go. I just feel like I didn't pronounce it correctly. Um, I, 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 I have like issues. I, I get very paranoid when cops are behind me. I tend to just go off on a side street just so that they're not following me because the moment they're following me is the moment oh, that's I very like I'm suspicious. Break the I know. I'm a you, you know that person. is true. I do have that urge to like when they are behind me and to like like go turn pull into a like, grocery store or I something. I do think to get that, away. that is more suspicious. You no, just it have is to keep going. Suspicious, but I get yeah. very anxious around them, and so I think I'm an anxious person by nature. Nature. Yeah, I like we're too I'm, anxious to be crime t- I, yeah I would need a lot more Lexapro if I was mm, going to be on the lamp yeah um I do think that I would be very apologetic at any crime that I do I do think the, the Thelma of the me, like I'm sorry you. yeah I'm just but gonna society has told us to be like that mind. I yeah. know I know like it's the email thing that I said before hi I just want to follow up if you don't just mind. following up exclamation point exclamation point so I'm definitely yeah, not mad I was told that you can't say just I just that because that means that like I don't know you're that's apologetic apologetic so I've stopped saying just in my emails I say I wanted to follow up and it was hard should, at first I should do that too yeah and don't and, say and your just. next step and your next step is to say I'm following up Ooh, I'm following yeah. up. Ooh, that sounds like so, so authoritative. It's so difficult, yeah. especially my line We're of work. I deal with a lot of a lot of men and a lot of older men, and it is very Oof, much yes. more difficult, right, to then implement those things and not be accused of being a beast. Just, you know, they, they should once they all pop their clogs. Mm-hmm. When you get yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Yeah. A bee is I like love, a I do love men. I love I love men, but you know, enough. In a fever. Fever. enough. Yeah. Yeah, um, you've, you've been in charge too long. It's not yeah, but anymore. it is. I'm so happy we we were able to watch this movie, and I'm so happy, yes. Sarah, that Thank you were you able to join so us. So much one. for in- inviting me to select from the list, and I mean, yeah. it was quite an extensive list, and it was as if <laughs> there's a auga of this Thelma and Louise. I thought, perfect, yeah, perfect. yeah. We were circling about. around it as well, and I don't know, Sarah, you picked the movies that just like stick with us. Like I, with Interview with the Vampire, I told Jessica this a couple months ago or whatever. I was like, I thought about that movie like every day for like four months. <laughs> like really and i haven't seen jess as passionate about a film as thelma and louise in a really long time yeah i think like this is one of my favorites that we've ever covered i think Mm -hmm. there is just like there are some that really stick with me this one is going to be one of them and i know i can i can feel myself going to be referencing it in the future this one and my cousin Vinny are like i feel like the top of my list of like Gosh, that was so enjoyable. And why have I not seen this film before? And like, those this is two movies that you and I didn't really pick. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to. No. We're gonna and not that this. they're not noteworthy. Like, I've heard of both of them. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I know they exist. It was more of just like, I've never like uh, been intrigued enough to check them out. And I'm so happy we did because I feel like. I've learned so much from watching this movie. Again, like this is why we do this podcast is to like, well, what did the 90s teach us? And like, there's still so many valuable lessons to learn from this movie, even though it is, you know, 30-ish years old at this point. How to make interesting movies, right? <laughs> That's one of the things that'll it's teach so us. Yeah. 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 It was so fun. But Sarah, um, we know you're on crime scene. What else do you have going on? What are you covering on crime scene? Lots of crimes going on. Lots of, look, there's lots of crime. Crime doesn't stop. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, on RHIC, you can find find me talking crime every week with Murray Forth at Crime Scene. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carradine. I'll let you know everything that I'm doing there. I'm going to be on a roundtable talking about the Traders US 
Ah, the big show. A day or two or yesterday, yeah. depending on the timeline of this podcast. Uh, but, yes, just generally swimming in the ocean. Uh, it's summer here in Sydney and uh, enjoying a, a very nice life. I think that I did break through. I didn't go back and I am awake and I can recommend it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank I you. Um, yeah, over at Chit 90 Shows taught me, as a reminder, we have finished our coverage of Boy Meets World, our two and a half year project, which was mm-hmm. an incredible accomplishment of 2022. So we are ramping up the bonus content. I think that we're going to do two films in February and we are continuing our coverage of Dawson's Creek. Of course, we're on season five of that mid season five or you know, turning the corner for the end of season five. Um, that's about it for me, but you can find me at Sarah Ferguson and you can find me at shit nineties pod on Twitter and Instagram, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Jess, let's uh, break down what's going over at PSR. Yeah. So over at pusher recaps, you can hear me, uh, Adam and I co- finished up our coverage of mythic quest season three. That show is such a delight. Um, so go check that out uh national treasure edge of history uh is still happening that show (laughs) it's a little bit messy but it's really fun to chat about it especially because i'm talking with marissa and we're we're having a really fun time so go check that out as well community building is back with season five thank everything we are done with season four now um so we can get back on to on the hype train of loving community um and uh, coming up very soon uh brooklyn zed and i are going to be talking the last of us the new hbo show coming out we're going to be playing the video game for the first time alongside watching the show it's gonna be a massive show i've heard it like critics absolutely love it so i'm really really excited to check that out um and yeah that's everything i have going on you could follow me at the jess sterling on twitter And um, this has been so much fun. I can't wait to get into more bonus content. It was nice to have a few weeks off in January to kind of rest, recuperate from the holidays and get refreshed. But I'm ready to dive back into 2023 now with a vengeance. So um, check out more content from us on the way. Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you all next time. Bye. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.